Well, many of you know, I imagine, the cartoonist Gary Larson um, has a great cartoon that reminds me of baptism. Now, as you can see in the picture, the, uh, the farmer is preparing to brand those cows with a huge branding iron that says, this cow belongs to Daryl Jones, so hands off. And the cows look just utterly terrified over the fence. Well, branding sort of shares some similarity with baptism. Farm animals are branded to distinguish what animal belongs to what farmer. The mark signifies the owner of that animal, and the cow is marked as belonging to Farmer Daryl Jones. It is Farmer Jones's responsibility then to care for the welfare of the cow, feed it, clean it, and protect it. Baptism is a branding of sorts. You and I are branded by God, made his through water and his word. We bear his name, his mark of ownership, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In this way, God has set us aside. He protects us. He feeds us with his word. He cares for us with the sacraments according to this promise and covenant. We are his. It's a guarantee, it's a seal, if you will, that we are his. And I'm just glad God did not choose Daryl Jones's method of marking us as his children. Unfortunately, the reality is that many Christians take their baptisms for granted. They accept it as a mere formality in order to belong to the church or done possibly to please grandparents. Some look at baptism as an initiation rite into a club. Baptism sometimes is one of those obligations that families feel that they need to fulfill, one of the obligations of the Christian and going to church. You know these type of people, the ones who feel that the church is there to hatch them, match them, and dispatch them. Some see it as magic an amulet for protection, a good luck charm in life. Some may see baptism as a magical incantation that somehow forces the goodwill of God and salvation, even if they wander from the fellowship of Christians and later deny that shield of faith given in their baptism. But of course, all these are the wrong reasons for baptism. It is not good luck. It is not an amulet to ward off evil. It is not magic performed by the pastor or the priest. God chose this way of bringing his forgiveness, his grace, and his kingdom to you in a palpable seal that he marks with his own name, in which he swears by his own name to be faithful to you. But baptism is much more than this, as you will see today. Baptism is what you and I live in every day. Today we celebrate Jesus' baptism. Understanding all that is going on in Jesus' baptism will help you to see the importance of your own baptism in your daily life. We begin by asking two common questions regarding baptism. Why did God choose this particular way of branding us as his own? And probably more importantly on everyone's mind and in the usual question that's asked, why did Jesus need to be baptized? The most common response to Jesus' baptism is 
why did he need to be baptized if he was without sin? This question always comes up because we have learned that the baptism to which John the Baptist was calling everyone as he was standing on the banks of the Jordan River was a call to repentance, wherein those baptized recognized their sins and were washed with the cleansing of sin with water. But Jesus had no sin, so why baptize him? Some speculate as to why Jesus needed to be baptized, which include that he needed to fulfill Scripture, or that the Gospel writers needed to prove that Jesus was the Son of God before marking, embarking on his ministry. And I think we ask these questions because we assume that Jesus' baptism was really in no way different than the baptism of the others on that day, or even different from our own. But the Old Testament, I think, will reveal to us today that there is much more going on here than meets the eye and the way, the reason for the way that Mark writes. It's something that prepared the way for this moment. In Scripture, Consistently, we are taught that whatever God does, he does for us. In the Lord's Supper, Christ says, Take and eat, this is my body given for you, for you. Take, drink, my blood shed for you, for you. He tells his disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you. For you seems to be the act and will of God. It's something that he does. It's what God does for you, for you as a gift. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you do. For you is the reason for the gospel and the law, the life and death of Christ, the reason the apostles were called and sent out. So Jesus' baptism was done for us. Not for himself, not as a proof, not as a crowd pleaser. He was baptized for us for you and for me. And looking deeper into our text in the epistle reading in Romans and Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of Mark will show us what's really going on here for you. Well, Jesus is marked in his baptism. In the Old Testament, we see that God marked those whom he protected or set apart for a specific purpose. The last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Tav, or T, we see the use of this mark in Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, all right then, if anyone kills Cain, Cain will be avenged seven times as much. Then the Lord put a special mark on Cain, that mark, the Tav, the T, so that no one who found him would strike him down. This T given by God to Cain after killing Abel protected him from the vengeance of others. Well, we see it pop up again in Ezekiel in the prophet in chapter 9, verse 4, where the Lord says, The Lord said to him, Go through the city of Jerusalem and put a mark, that T, Tav, on the foreheads of the people who moan and groan over all the abominations practiced in it. Go through the city after him and strike people down. Do not let your eye pity nor spare anyone, old men, young men, young women, little children, and old women. Wipe them out, but do not touch anyone who has the mark. 
God uses this mark to choose those from the coming judgment against the unrighteous in the same way that the lamb's blood was spread on the doorposts of the Israelites in Egypt, marking them as God's chosen to be saved when the angel of death smote all the firstborn in Egypt. Christ's baptism marks Jesus as God the Father's Son, sets him aside, protects him. God is not well pleased because of something Jesus did. He's not delighted because of an action that Jesus did. God the Father sets him aside because he is his son. He is the chosen one. Look at how Mark expresses this in our gospel for today. You are my one dear son. In you I take great delight. It's immediately calling to mind God's chosen one, as mentioned in Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He bears the mark of the Father's faithfulness, his protection, set aside for his Father's purpose, against whom no harm will come. But here we see that Jesus is not merely marked for his own protection. He's marked and chosen for us, because this sign is given to all those who were there who were sinners. All those who witnessed this great event on this day received the mark. He was chosen as one of them. He is marked as a sinner. He enters into our world as one of us, a sinner. He doesn't just come for sinners. He is equated and marked and labeled and identified as a sinner together with us. He not merely commiserates and sympathizes with sinners. He is sin. He is not only Emmanuel God with us, but he is Emmanuel God one of us. And as one of us, he needs the protection and faithfulness of God the Father in his life and in his ministry, and so is chosen. But this mark that he receives in baptism is not done with the letter Tav, the letter T, but with water. It is an anointing. And again, we return to the Old Testament. We see that the word to anoint is the Hebrew word mashach. Now, as we look at this word, the three letters in the Hebrew alphabet, you'll see it appear in other words related to anointing. From the Old Testament, we see that this word to anoint is used when it talks about consecrating kings to reign on their thrones. It means to anoint, to consecrate, to spread oil all over, which is to choose. So we understand that Jesus, as the Chosen One, is the Messiah, Mashiach, which comes from the verb to anoint. Jesus is the Anointed One. He is the Chosen One. But if we dig a little further into this word, Mashiach, in addition to anointing kings to their throne, the shields of soldiers preparing to go into battle were also anointed. In the Old Testament, shields were made of leather. Calling Israel to battle, the Lord says in Isaiah 21, Arise, O princes, and anoint your shields. 
The leather shields were anointed or oiled so that any weapon used against them would easily slide off or be diverted, sort of like a fried egg on a Teflon pan. Now it's very peculiar verse pops up in Psalms, which alludes to the image that in his baptism, Jesus is not only anointed as the chosen one of God, but anointed to go into battle as a shield and defense against Satan's stronghold on death and destruction. Psalm 84 verse 9 says, Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed one. And we have that same Hebrew word in there for Mashach, the face of your anointed one. You guessed it, Messiah once again. So Mark understands this, and Matthew does too, when he talks about the baptism of Jesus. But what's in it for you and what's in it for me? So what does anointing a shield and a mark have to do with your baptism, my baptism? Anointing sets apart. Jesus is set apart in his baptism, consecrated and belongs to God. And through it, he enters into our world as a sinner. He sets aside his righteousness. He receives the mark of sin's stain as we are marked. And he enters into our struggle against sin, pain, suffering, and death willing to receive the same judgment by which we are judged. He has chosen to bear the mark relying on only on his father's faithful protection as he declares battle on Satan. And as some of you know, in battle, you can only defeat the enemy by disarming him of his weaponry. And so Jesus enters into the battlefield to defeat Satan of his ultimate weapon, the grave. He is judged a sinner as one of us and dies, and he falls into what would otherwise be the demise of every sinner, death. But Jesus is marked. He's chosen and enters death with oiled shield, whereby Satan has no power over him, and death cannot hold him captive. Entering Satan's house, he breaks the bonds of death to be the firstborn from the dead and the first fruits for us. That's why we are baptized, Paul says, because you have been baptized into Christ's baptism. As in Christ's baptism, he entered your world as a sinner, so in your baptism, you enter into Christ's world of righteousness. As Jesus set his righteousness aside for your unrighteousness, so in Christ your unrighteousness is set aside for his righteousness. You are a new creation, the first fruits to be raised with him when you enter the grave. So Paul writes in Romans 6, Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may live a new life. And again, Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. As you and I live daily in this world, we are sinful and as such cannot escape the judgment of death. Satan still holds the world captive to sin and death as long as this world and humanity exist. 
and as we have recently seen on television all last year. But being baptized into Christ, you are indeed buried with him. You are made one with him. You do not die your death, but you die in Christ, Christ's death, and Christ is your shield. You are not buried alone, but buried with him, in him, marked as one belonging to him who defeated death and sabotaged Satan's rule in this world. You bear the name of the anointed king, the triumphant one who reigns, who gives you life eternal without harm or consequence for your sins. Your baptism is your shield in daily life. As you battle him each and every day when you wake from sleep, this is part of Paul's letter to the Ephesians as he describes that armor, the Christian armor, spiritual armor, that the Christian vests him or herself each day. Paul alludes to this in baptism when he says about this armor in Ephesians 6, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Your shield of faith is baptism. It is through faith that you hold on firmly to your baptism and the promise Christ's victory and protection in your life. As you believe and trust in God's covenant with you in your baptism, your faith is the shield that diverts Satan's arrows and temptations. They just slide off. There is one more detail I failed to mention. And that's what did the letter T or Tav actually look like? You know, that mark that was placed on Cain's forehead in Genesis to protect him. And that same mark or T that was put on the people's uh, foreheads in Ezekiel to mark them as being spared in judgment. The letter marking Cain's forehead and those in Ezekiel looked quite different at that time from the modern day letter T that I showed earlier. In 2000 BC, the letter was on the left-hand side, 2000, a cross. The cross on their foreheads marked them and saved them. So today we begin each baptism with the sign of the cross. God's top, the cross, marks you as his. He has chosen water and his word to anoint you as his very own son and daughter, sworn by his name, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Through baptism, Christ takes you into himself and into his victorious resurrection. He alone shields and protects you on the battlefield over death and Satan. Trusting in his covenant made to you in baptism, he is your shield against every arrow of the evil one each and every day of your life. Amen. Let us confess our faith together with all Christians everywhere. I believe in God the Father Almighty. He created and sustains heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Mary, a virgin. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He then descended into hell, and on the third day,